Welcome to your news flash for Friday, 13 April 2018. Tracking your news for tonight, a major smog indicator in China's heavy industrial Beijing, Tianjin, Hebei region rose by more than a quarter in March. The Ministry of Ecology and Environment of China said today, raising concerns that pollution is increasing with the end of winter output restrictions. Concentrations of particulate matter with a size less than 2.5 microns, known as PM 2.5, climbed to 80 micrograms per cubic meter in the region last month, an increase of 27 percent from a year ago. The ministry said, the region includes China's capital and Tangshan, the world's largest steel-producing city. A six-month anti-pollution campaign that ended on March 15 required 28 Chinese cities to reduce PM 2.5 levels by as much as 25% by slashing industrial output, restricting traffic, and cutting coal use. During the first quarter, the levels of PM 2.5 in the Beijing, Tianjin, Tianjin, Hebei region, which has been under heavy political pressure to tackle pollution, dropped 22.1%. To 74 micrograms per cubic meter, down from near record highs in the same period last year. That indicates that the output cuts were working as intended, but the expiration has increased concerns that pollution levels are rebounding as factories, freed from restrictions, ramp up output. Nationwide, during the first quarter, PM 2.5 concentrations fell 9.7 percent from a year ago to 56 micrograms per cubic meter. In the 338 cities monitored by the ministry, however, in March, average concentrations climbed 2.1 percent from the year before to 48 micrograms per cubic meter. Seven of China's ten most polluted cities in March were in Hebei Province, China's biggest steel-producing region. Tangshan and the city of Handan have already decided to extend the winter curbs until November. However, Shizhou. An industrial city in eastern China's Jiangsu Province was also on the list of the ten smogiest cities in March, and during the first quarter, a sign that China's smog is shifting from its northern heartlands as a result of the crackdown. The Yangtze River Delta region, which comprises Jiangsu, Zhejiang, and Anhui provinces, and the city of Shanghai, saw PM 2.5 levels fall 4% in March, but average levels rose 1.8% in the first quarter as a whole. China is currently working on a new 2018 to 2020 action plan to tackle pollution, and experts have urged the government to introduce more targeted measures to tackle rising ground-level ozone, which has become a growing urban health threat. Chinese authorities are working to reduce PM 2.5 concentrations because the small size of the particles allows them to be inhaled deep into the lungs, and their accumulation eventually can cause lung and heart diseases. Now, thousands of booze bottles were destroyed by Indonesian police today in a dramatic show as they cracked down on bootleg alcohol blamed for killing close to 100 people in recent weeks. Authorities in Tangerang, on the outskirts of the capital Jakarta, drove a yellow steamroller over a carpet of some 6,000 bottles, while others raided vendors in a bid to stop the worst string of homebrew deaths in years. The world's most populous Muslim-majority country banned the sale of alcohol in most convenience stores and small shops outside of holiday hotspots Bali in 2015. Although it is still widely available in supermarkets, bars, and hotels, 
High taxes make alcohol expensive, however, so low-paid workers often turn to cheap and sometimes deadly homemade booze instead. As of Friday, authorities said at least 97 people have died nationwide since late March from drinking illegal spirits. Some 160 others are in hospital, with many still in critical condition. At least 17 people have been arrested or named as suspects for selling and distributing bootleg alcohol, police said. Local police spokesman Truno Yudu Wisnu Andiko told AFP. One of the suspects himself died in hospital because he also consumed bootleg alcohol. Lab tests have turned up toxic levels of methanol, a form of alcohol used in antifreeze and solvents in victim systems. Some of the suspects confessed to drink to mixing pure alcohol with Coca-Cola, energy drinks, cough syrup, and even mosquito repellent. The string of deaths prompted Bandung, a major city east of Jakarta, and its surrounding area to declare a state of emergency on Tuesday. Bootleg booze is usually sold under the table by street vendors, who sometimes make the toxic concoction themselves. But police said they believe there are big distributors behind the sale of toxic alcohol implicated in the recent deaths. Those found guilty of supplying beverages they knew to be dangerous could face a maximum life sentence, National Police spokesman Setio Wasisto said. In 2016, 36 people died in central Java after drinking locally bought homebrew. U.S. President Donald Trump praised China on th yesterday for its help with North Korea and said meetings were being set up between him and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. Trump said of China, They have really been a great help to us at the border with North Korea. They've been really terrific at helping us get to some kind of settlement. Meetings are being set up right now between myself and Kim Jong-un. I think it will be terrific. I think we'll go in with a lot of respect and we'll see what happens. Trump also said the trade negotiations between Washington and Beijing were going well, conflicting with Chinese official statements on the dispute, which has fed fears on financial markets of an all-out trade war. Trump said, We are getting along very well. Think we're going to do great, some great things. He added that getting rid of nuclear weapons was very good for everybody, and good for them as well. Trump said on Monday he planned to meet Kim in May or early June and hopes the discussions would ultimately lead to an end of North Korea's nuclear weapons program, which Washington sees as its most pressing security threat. CIA Director Mike Pompeo told his confirmation hearing for the post of Secretary of State that he was optimistic conditions could be set at that meeting for a diplomatic outcome to the crisis over North Korea's development of nuclear weapons capable of reaching the U.S. Pompeo brushed aside concerns that the administration's moves to modify a nuclear deal with Iran could make reaching an agreement with North Korea more difficult. He argued that Kim would be looking to his own interests, including his country's economy and the sustainment of his regime, rather than other historical agreements. Pompeo stressed that the aim of a Trump-Kim summit was to get North Korea to step away. Under questioning, he would not take any option off the table, including military ones. At the same time, he said he was not advocating regime change for North Korea and had never done so. Last year, North Korea accused Pompeo of favoring such a policy after the, after the CIA director told a forum in July that it was important to separate the country's nuclear weapons from the character who holds the control over them, referring to Kim Jong-un. 
Last May, North Korea accused the CIA and South Korea's intelligence service of a failed plot to assassinate Kim at a military parade in Pyongyang. At a separate congressional hearing, U.S. Defense Secretary Jim Mattis said the aim was for a negotiated solution to the North, to the North Korean crisis. He told the House Armed Services Committee, We're all cautiously optimistic that we may be on the right path for the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. A Moscow court on today ruled to block the popular messaging app Telegram in Russia after it refused to give state security services access to private conversations. The ruling follows a long-running battle between authorities and Telegram, which has a reputation for secure communications, as Moscow pushes to increase surveillance of Internet activities. The Roskomnadzor Telecom's watchdog, which brought the case, had earlier demanded the service be blocked as soon as the verdict was announced. The app's creator, Pavel Durov, banned lawyers representing Telegram from attending the court hearing so as not to legitimize it. But Mr. Pavel Chekhov, who leads a group of human rights lawyers representing the app, said the case had proved the efficacy of the service. That authorities had brought the case showed that Telegram is by far the safest messenger, he said in comments published on the platform. The authorities also pushed hundreds of thousands of Russian users to study proxies and VPNs in an attempt to circumnavigate a potential ban, he said. Both Mr. Chikov and app founder Durov have previously said any ban would be impossible to enforce. The lawyer added, The case has shown again and again that the judicial system simply serves the interests of power and no longer cares about keeping up even the most basic of appearances. Telegram self-exiled Russian founder Durov has long said he will reject any attempt by the country's security services to gain backdoor access to the app. The free application, which lets people exchange messages, photos and videos in groups of up to 5,000 people, has attracted more than 200 million users since its launch in 2013. Telegram is especially popular among political activists of all stripes and is used by the Kremlin to communicate with journalists, but has also been used by Islamists. In September 2017, the FSB security service demanded encryption keys, Mr. Durov said, prompting a formal complaint when the request was rejected. Mr. Durov wrote last year that the FSB's demands are technically impossible to carry out and violate the Russian constitu constitution, which entitles citizens to privacy of correspondence. Roskomnadzo had threatened to ban the app in June last year for failing to join its official register, which requires companies to provide the FSB with information on user interactions. Although Telegram later registered, it stopped short of agreeing to the regulator's data storage demands. From this year, companies on the register must also store all the data of Russian users inside the country, according to controversial anti-terror le legislation passed in 2016, which was decried by internet companies and the opposition. The lethal poison that struck down a former Russian spy and his daughter last month in England was a highly pure type of Novichok nerve agent, the global chemical weapons watchdog concluded yesterday, backing Britain's findings. Sergei Skripal, a former colonel in Russian military intelligence, who betrayed dozens of agents to Britain's M16 foreign spy service, and his daughter were found unconscious on a bench in the English cathedral city of Salisbury on March 4th. 
Britain blamed Russia for the poisoning, and Prime Minister Theresa May said that the Skripals had been attacked with a military-grade nerve agent from the Novichok group of poisons developed by the Soviet Union in the 1970s and 80s. Moscow denied any involvement and suggested Britain had carried out the attack to stoke anti-Russian hysteria, but Britain asked the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, or OPCW, to check samples from Salisbury. Testing by four laboratories affiliated with the global chemical weapons watchdog confirmed Britain's findings and showed that the toxic chemical was of high purity. The chemical weapons watchdog did not explicitly name Novichok. In its published summary, say where the poison may have come from or assign blame for the attack. But it did confirm Britain's analysis about the substance that had been used. The published summary said, the results of an analysis by OPCW-designated laboratories of environmental and biomedical samples collected by the OPCW team confirmed the findings of the UK relating to the identity of the toxic chemical. Testing by OPCW laboratories, the details of which were kept confidential, also found the substance used in Salisbury to be of a high purity, which supports the British government's assertion that a state was involved. Responding to the OPCW summary, Russian Foreign Ministry spokesman Maria Zakharova told a briefing. There are no grounds to believe that all of this is not a continuation of the crude provocation against the Russian Federation by the security services of Britain. Zakharova also said Moscow would not believe any conclusions about the poisoning of the Skripals unless Russian experts were given access to the investigation. The toxin attack prompted the biggest Western expulsion of Russian diplomats since the Cold War, as allies in Europe and the US sided with May's view that Moscow was either responsible or had lost control of the nerve agents. Moscow was hit back by expelling Western diplomats, questioning how Britain knows that Russia was responsible and suggesting it stems from a plot by British secret services. Russia has said it does not have such nerve agents, and President Vladimir Putin said it was nonsense to think that Moscow would have poisoned Skripal and his daughter Yulia. A police officer was also taken ill after attending the scene. British Foreign Minister Secretary Boris Johnson hailed the findings. He said, There can be no doubt what was used and there remains no alternative explanation about who was responsible. Only Russia has the means, motive and record. A German foreign ministry spokesman said the OPCW confirmed Britain's analysis. It is now up to Russia to finally play a constructive role and answer the open questions, he said. Jürgen Hart, foreign policy spokesman for Chancellor Angela Merkel's Conservatives, said the report provided certainty that the Skripals were poisoned by Novichok. He said, this finding massively increases the pressure on Moscow to fully explain the exact course of events and background of the first nerve agent attack on European soil. The poisoning of Skripal, a former double agent who settled in Britain in 2010 after being released by Moscow in a spy swap, shows how reckless Russia is prepared to be, the head of Britain's GCHQ spy agency said on Thursday. Yulia Skripal, who was released from hospital on Monday, said in a statement she was still suffering effects of the poisoning and her father remained seriously ill. She said she had declined an offer of assistance from the Russian embassy. Russian Foreign Ministry spokesman, spokeswoman Zakharova also challenged Britain to prove the Skripals were not being held hostage, 
noting that no one except British authorities had seen either of them for over a month. There are several variants of Novichok, a binary weapon containing two less toxic chemicals that, when mixed, react to a produce a poison several times more lethal than sarin or VX. Russia's ambassador to Britain, Alexander Yakovenko, has identified the alleged poison as Novichok A234, derived from an earlier version known as A232. Britain has said the use of such an obscure poison indicates Moscow was either to blame or had lost control over its nerve agents. Alastair Hay, Professor Emeritus of Environment, Environmental Toxicology at Britain's University of Leeds, said, the high priority of the substance will strengthen the UK's position as the agent was made by a highly proficient team and in a well-refined process. The laboratory res results, which came in on Wednesday night, were to be circulated to OPCW member states on Thursday. The results will be debated at an emergency OPCW session next Wednesday to be convened at Britain's request. Now looking at some business news, the London Stock Exchange Group, or LSE, announced today that it has picked Goldman Sachs banker David Squimmer, an American, as its new chief executive. Squimmer will start on August 1st after a 20-year career with US banking giants Goldman Sachs, the LSE announced in a statement. Squimmer said, It is an honour and privilege to be asked to lead London Stock Exchange Group. It is both an iconic institution and a great business, having worked with exchanges and other market infrastructure companies for much of the past 20 years. I have been impressed by its strong track record of partnering with customers to deliver innovative solutions. Frenchman Xavier Rowlett had stood down as LSE boss in November 2017 after a reported boardroom struggle on concerns over his management style. David Warren, who has been standing in as Interim Chief Executive, will stay on as Finance Chief. And this is the end of News Flash. Thank you for listening. Have a nice day ahead. Reporting from Singapore, I'm Sean Lowe.